So um, some of you know, not, every, not everyone, I don't know if everyone will know or remember, but um, I have three daughters. You often see one daughter every once in a while. You've seen another one of them a couple times, but uh, I have a third one, and she lives in Chicago with my uh, two little granddaughters, and um, they're here with us this morning, and I'm very glad to have them with us this morning. Um, and you guys know that I work for the police, that, that I do police work, and uh, one of the things that we do before you can become a police officer is you have to pass a physical fitness examination. You have to be able to run a mile and a half in so much time. You have to be able to do so many push-ups in a minute. You have to be able to do so many sit-ups in a minute. And so um, I've, had my, I've had my two granddaughters with me since Tuesday, and um, I'm going to go talk to the chief. I think we're going to change that. And um, if you can make it through 30 minutes with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, you're in. I think, we, I, th- I think anybody that can pull that off, I think uh, um, I thought I was a pretty young-feeling kind of fella. Uh, man, wow, that, that my friends, is energy. Uh, so I'm very glad to have them with us, very blessed to have them, and uh, it's, been, it's been a joy. Um, it just has shown me that I'm not nearly as young as I thought I was. Uh, <laughs> some of you think that's funny. I don't think that's so funny. <laughs> so we've been going through the book of Acts um, in our sermon series, and we've went through the first 12 chapters so far, and in those 12 chapters we've seen the Lord leave, we've seen the church be established and and people begin to worship together and all of that 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 gets figured out with that. And and then we we see some different, we've seen some people give their life for their faith like Stephen. And so we got to chapter 12 last week. In between chapter 12 and chapter 13 is actually when the book of James is written, chronologically. So the book of James is written between chapter 12 and chapter 13 of the book of Acts. So Rex and I talked about it. We decided that we'll, we'll take, a little, take a little break today from the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about James. Um, and we're going to do a flyover of James. Now, some of you have studied James intently, and I understand And some of you right now are like twitching because you're like, how is he going to preach on the book of James in one sermon? Uh, it's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to let you know ahead of time. This is just a flyover. Uh, anybody ever watch golf on TV? Some people need a nap on Sunday afternoons. That helps them. Um, but if you watch a golf tournament on TV, they'll always, they always show you the hole. So they show you where the hazards are and where the green is and what the pin, where the pin position is. And so there's, they kind of just give you a quick look at it. But if you watch golf, you'll see almost every shot, you'll see a PGA Tour player pull a book out of their back pocket. That book that they have is their yardage book, and that book tells them how many yards it is from one hazard to another how, so that they can look at that and they can see. They're not allowed to use the fancy GPSs and sky caddies and laser range finders and all that during a tournament. So they have, what they, they have their yardage book, and they have little notes written in there. Um, but, so we're not looking at the yardage book today of James. We're looking at the flyover. All right? So we're taking a helicopter over the book of James. We're just going to kind of get an understanding of what it is that James teaches. If, I think it's important for us to do this um, because a lot of the things that James teaches 
are actually put into practice by Paul through his missionary journeys. Beginning in chapter 13, Paul is going to become an actual missionary, and he's going to begin traveling, sharing the gospel of Jesus. And so there are things that we see in James that James teaches us that's important in the life of Paul. As we go through his missionary journeys, you'll be able to see, oh, yep, okay. And so that's why we're going to take some time today. In the book of James, there are so many things in the book of James we could have talked about, but I've picked three to kind of combine them because I think it, I think it, I feel like it's the best combination to make a flyover of the book of James for us to understand what James is saying. And really, it boils down to this, living humbly and actively while we're headed home. That's basically what James teaches us. And so we're going to look at those three things a little bit more in depth um, so we're going to start with we're going to start with living humbly, and I'm going to in speaking of humility. Uh, this uh, you got to know this really isn't easy for me, but I'm going to admit my mistakes. Not that I don't have a bunch, um, but the screen is going to have one version of the scriptures. My Bible has a different version of the scriptures, and I can't really read either one of them because. I had glasses in my pocket and forgot I had glasses in my pocket, and I'm a hugger. Um, So my glasses are currently sitting on the back in their case with one lens popped out and the bottom all wrinkled up. Um, So they're they're really not going to be any good for me. They're they're really not going to help me. I appreciate that, but I don't think that they'll... Do you think they're going to stay? Okay, we're going to go with Josh as the man. Nope, sorry. They're now they're all they're like all spread out. I'm they, I like smash them. I appreciate it, Josh. Thank you, but they're not going to stay on my ears. Um, so so we're going to go through this together, right? It's a journey together. I apologize from the beginning. I know I could have been better prepared, and I should have done. I should have had like three or four pair of glasses, but we're going to get through it. Okay, so it's going to be the same scripture. It's still going to be God's word, and we're still going to talk about the same things. But it might be a little bit painful for you to wait for me to do this and get it where I can see it. Okay, everybody, okay with that? I'm sorry. Somebody could at least say, that's okay. You'll get through it. We'll get through it. But no, that's all right. Just leave me up here hanging. That's fine. It's all good. I love you too. So, but look, let's look in, book, in, the, in the book of James, beginning in chapter 5. I know that's not the beginning of James. It seems strange to start there. But we're going to start there in James chapter 5. In verse 7, we see this. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall. Who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look... The judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. So we, you see it there, James in, that, in those couple verses there shows us it's all about being humble, being, humble, being active, and doing those two things until we get home. So let's jump into it for a little. Let's talk about humility for just a minute. Uh, how do you feel like you're humble people? 
Now see, there's an old joke about a guy being given a humble pin and it was taken away from him the next week because he wore it. <laughs> I don't know. But humility is something that none of us are really good at. And if we think about our world today, humility really isn't taught by very many people. If you, if you look at people, most people are not teaching humility. They're teaching how to get what they want and how to make yourself look better and how to impress your standing in life, right? I, I, I played college baseball only because I was fast. I couldn't really catch. I couldn't really hit. Um, and I wasn't a great thrower. But I was fast. And so when I went to small college, my roommate, was, my roommate played baseball. He was actually good. And he said, hey, come out for the baseball team. I said, ah. So I made it only because I was fast. Um, and so I was like the designated runner. I didn't play the field. They didn't trust me with the field. They didn't trust me at the plate. But if somebody got on base, I, if a pitcher or catcher got on base, I ran for him. So I led the team in stolen bases with like one at bat. It's cool. I like to tell the story. I enjoy it. Those of you that know baseball will understand how much fun that is. Um, but when I, was, when I was that age, back in the 90s, Ricky Henderson was, was playing for the Oakland A's, and he was, he was getting close to breaking Lou Brock's stolen, stolen base record. And so I was fast. Ricky was stealing a lot of bases. That's what I did. So I, kinda, I liked Ricky Henderson. I didn't know much about his morals or about who he was as a person, but he was good at stealing bases, and I liked to steal bases. So, so I thought Ricky Henderson was pretty cool. So the day comes... I was watching the game, and the day comes, Ricky actually steals third base to break Lou Brock's record. And he lifts third base up. And as he lifts third base up, he says this, Lou Brock was the best base stealer of his time, but I am the greatest base stealer of all time. I'm not exactly sure he had written the book, written the book of, read the book of James. I think he missed it somewhere along the line. But when you think about that, isn't that what our world has become? If you watch sports now, it's, I know I'm old-fashioned. It's okay. But I, I kind of grew, grew up in the thing where, like, if you hit a home run, I never did hit home runs, but the people that did, the people that did hit home runs, they were kind of told, hey, if you hit a home run, act like it's your 100th home run. Don't make a big deal out of it. Drop the bat, trot the bases, tip your hat, and enjoy the fact that you hit a home run, right? Now we've got big bat flips, and they're doing all kinds of, pretty soon they're going to be walking backwards to the bases, doing the moonwalk, I don't know, because we have to make a big spectacle about the fact that we've done something good, right? You, you can't just make a three-pointer anymore in a basketball game. Now you have to shoot some arrow or something. I, I don't, there's all kinds of stuff where you can't just score a touchdown. If you score a touchdown now, 15 people have to line up with you, you have to do some silly dance. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I understand, let's get excited, I understand all that stuff. But I think somewhere along the line, we We've forgotten what humility really means. And I think we've made ourselves more important than we should. I think at some point, me has taken over us. And I think that's one thing in sports. But what, what, what happens when it affects our relationship with the Lord? What happens when we feel like we're better than God? Oh, now, Brian, you, we don't think that. Anybody make plans for your life? Anyone? Bueller, anyone? Anyone make plans for your life the way you want your life to go? This means yes. This means a little you are confused. We've all looked at our life and we've like, well, this is where I'd like to go. This is what I'd like to do. I think I, think I should plan this, right? I, and so that, how often do we invite God into those plans? 
often we say, hey, God, what do you want to do with my life? Usually it's, hey, God, this is what I want to do. Make it happen, right? So how does humility show up? In the passage that we read earlier, James said this, don't grumble with each other. (laughs) Does grumbling have anything to do with humility? Let me think about it for a minute. If I'm grumbling about someone else, the way, they do th- they, the way they do something, the way they talk, the way they show up dressed, the way, whatever it is. If I'm grumbling about something, what am I basically saying? I'm better than they are, right? I'm smarter than they are. If they, if they were smart like me, they would do this. But they're not smart like me, so they're doing that. Right? Teachers, umpires, police officers, Right? <clears throat> three, three careers that you need no training to do and do well because everybody can do it, right? Teachers, any parents come in and tell you how to teach? Any umpires in here? You ever been told how to call a game? Ever been told things you probably should have seen better? Maybe you offered some eyeglasses? I don't know. Everybody knows how to do those jobs better. You know, we've got to add one now, though. I, th- I feel like we need to add one. It, you don't have to, but I, in my own little mind, I think we should add one. I think we should add doctors now. Think about being a doctor. You may be a doctor. If you are, I'm not speaking badly about doctors, okay? But think about being a doctor. When you're a doctor, it takes like 12 years, 12, 14, 18 years, whatever, to get, to, to get all the way through your residency, your internship, all of those schooling that you have to go to before you can actually say, I'm really at the point now I'm a doctor and I can actually practice as a doctor, right? It takes 8, 10, 12 years, depending on what you want to do. Can you imagine 8, 10, 12 years of going through education, walking into a patient's room, and when you walk into the room, the patient says, Doc, I, uh, I came to see you today because... Because I've got this thing going on, and on WebMD, they, told, they, they said that this is what it is. So can you just give me some pills for that? I, I mean, see, and, and then the doctor looks at you and says, nope, I think you just got a sprained wrist. Oh, no, 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 doctor. WebMD said that I've got this big old growth in there somewhere, and it's going to pop out in my ear sometime before too long. So it's got to be, we got we to plan for that, right? Now, I understand this a little over-exaggerated. But don't we, don't we often think we know more than what we really, do, we really do know? Don't we often think that we're better? Maybe it's not you. Let's change it. Don't people around you usually act like they're smarter than they really are? Or they know more than they really are or they're better than they really are? You see, the book of James tells us God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. You see, when we think that we're better than other people, think about what God is saying. When you, feel, when you, when you fail to be humble, when you, when you fail at the humility test, when you think you're more than what you actually are, it's not that God is aggravated with you. See, like, all of you have had parents. Mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and dads have, like, levels. They're like, there's the annoyance level. You kind of annoyed mom and dad. There's the, there's the little bit more than annoyed, like aggravated. And then there's the go to your room and pray that God comes back. Right? Anybody, else, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Listen to what James says. 
When you are not humble, when you are arrogant, your arrogance puts you as an opponent. He opposes the proud. You become an opponent of God. Now, I'm a pretty competitive fella. I like to win. My family is here today. They will tell you, I don't play board games like Clue and that kind of stuff. I don't play them. There's too much chance involved that I might lose, and I can't control whether I'm going to win or not. And so I don't play them because I don't want to lose. I I know, Jesus, I'm sorry. But But I'm just being honest with you. But when you are so intent on being right and being better and you lack humility, you become an opponent to God. But here, here's a newsflash. You don't win that one. That's kind of like a Yugo versus a semi. The Yugo loses every time. When we are arrogant and go with what we think and with what we want and with our, think that we're better than God or we're better than other people, we lose because we become an opponent to God. You can't win that battle. So we have to understand humility. We have to understand that, man, I, I am just as bad as that person is. Because that's really the truth. Right? But it's not just about being humble. I can be humble and I'm still not doing what God wants me to do. The next thing is God wants us to be active. See, and this is, this is where it can get interesting. In James chapter 2, flip back. I know we got to go back. We, we went one way and then we're going back. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well but you don't give the person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. We in Christianity have really gotten this one messed up. We've gotten this so convoluted that most people don't really understand what happens. I know Ephesians 2 says, you are saved. You, can, you, you should almost be able to repeat it with me. We are saved by grace through faith. Good. We're saved by grace through faith. So our, the grace that saves us comes through our faith in Jesus. I am not going to tell you anything different than that. That's true. Always will be true won't change. So please don't send hate mail to Rex or to myself saying, Brian said you need something other than faith. That's not what I've said. Okay? That's not what I'm about to say. That's not what I mean. Faith by grace is how we're saved. But James says, if your faith doesn't lead to something different, to a way of living that's different, then you, there's a really good chance your faith is not active and your faith isn't good. Now, how do, let, let's talk about that for just a minute. Some of you may have been to, and I, I don't, I'm not God, and I know I'm not God, and I might get corrected for this when I get there. And if I do, and he gives me a chance to apologize to all of you for being wrong this morning, I'll, I will find you and I'll apologize for being wrong. But one of the things that is kind of, a little bit makes me uncomfortable is, is some churches will say with people 
all you have to do is say this little prayer. And we're going to have everybody close their eyes so nobody sees that you're making this prayer. And we're going to have everybody just be quiet. Don't be peeking. And if you want Jesus in your life, just raise your hand. Don't anybody look. If you want to raise your hand. Now, now you, and, and say this prayer. Now you're saved. <clears throat> that can save you. I'm not going to tell you it can't. But what are the works that are, what's going to show that that actually happened? James says, the way that I'll see that you have faith is by the things that you do. So if I'm not even willing to let people see me raise my hand, that I'm going to pray. I struggle with that. And I want you to understand, I, I, I'm admitting it's a struggle. It's, it's not that I'm saying I'm right. It's one of those wrestling. You wrestle with things you're not exactly sure you understand, right? That's one of those things that I wrestle with. Because James is so clear to say, if you really have faith, it's going to show. Faith without works, James says. This is what James says, not Brian. This is what James says. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't exist. It doesn't live. It doesn't move. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't accomplish anything. If I don't have things that show my faith, then my faith really isn't working. Does that make, does everybody understand that? And I'm not trying to, it's not about salvation by works. Please, 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 it's so important for me that you understand this. It's not about having to work to earn my salvation. It's about working because I am saved. It's because Jesus has been so good to me that I want to share with other people how good he's been to me. It's that God has changed me. I want to help other people change. I want to be active. I want to be doing something to show that I have faith. And if you don't want to be exercising your faith, I honestly, and without acting like God, I question faith. That's what James does, right? He says, hey, go ahead, tell me you have faith. But if I don't see it, ah, it might be dead faith. That's a struggle, right? It's hard for us. Because as Christians, there are times I don't really want to do stuff. I don't really want to do things. And then we'll, have, then we'll say, well, it's, you're, you're saved by grace through faith. Yes, we are. But James says, if you don't have something to show for that faith, hmm, is it really faith? Man, that's tough, isn't it? You didn't really want to come to church for that one today, did you? You were open for something different. But it's easy, right? What's, the fix is just to actually serve Jesus because we've humbled ourselves, right? We, we understand we have to humble ourselves to say, hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then the final thing that we see is not only do we have to humbly be active, but we got to be humbly active until we get home. You see, we're not home. This is not my home. Thank goodness. This isn't where it ends. But Life between here and there may or may not be enjoyable. You say, well, Brian, I've got all this good stuff that happens when I become a Christian. Yes, yes, you do. James says in in the first chapter, he starts the whole book off by saying this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it joy. Be be joyful (laughs) that you're facing struggles. So here's the question. How many of you have accepted the Lord as your Savior? Glad, okay. 
All right. After you accepted the Lord as your Savior, how many of you had perfect, no trouble, enjoyable, smooth sailing lives? Raise your hand. I don't see too many hands going up. (laughs) Because reality says that it's not going to happen. James says, be patient in suffering. Just hold on. Just, Just get through. Because I'm not promising you, I, I, don't remember who the, I don't remember who the people is, as it was even before my time, but I never promised you a rose garden. Jesus never promised you an easy life. Nowhere in scripture will you read, if you'll just give your life to Jesus, all your troubles go away. You also will not read, if you give everything you've got to give, All of your financial troubles will be washed away. What you do see is when you're faithful, God provides. When you do what God asks you to do, even though it might be challenging, God will walk through you in that scenario. It's about holding on. It's about not giving up. I won't make you raise your hand for this one. Just think this one in your head. Ever tried something and you gave up because you couldn't do very well at it? Ever tried something and gave up because it was too much work? (laughs) Uh, I ain't trying that, right? You see what James is saying is, hold on. Consider it joy because when you're going through those struggles, what those struggles are doing is not trying to make your life miserable. Those struggles are trying to make you stronger. Anyone have a coach that make you do wind sprints? We've got a few coaches in here. All right. How many of us enjoy wind sprints? Anybody raises their hand? Uh, we're going to really question honesty. I'm just teasing. You might really enjoy them. Some of you running freaks out there might really like it. I, I hated them. They, they were like, you, I'd rather be whipped with a belt almost than have to do a bunch of wind sprints. There's nothing cool about that. I, okay, I can run, but I don't need to run 15 times. What am, what, what am I gaining from this? <clears throat> you see, sometimes it's like that with life, right? Sometimes God puts us through wind sprints. <coughs> it doesn't really make sense why we're going through it. We don't really have anybody to blame for why we're doing it. We don't even really know why we're doing it. We just know that God has us in this, at this time, and we're trying to be faithful. Anybody ever find yourself in that position? I think we all probably would raise our hand for that one, right? And Jesus says this, no matter what's going on, we win in the end. There's all kinds of junk out there. And I want to give you two words that I want you to practice this week. And maybe I want you to memorize them. And I want you to use them over and over and over. But God. But God. Because when you look at your life and you see all the stuff. Anybody got stuff in their life? We've all got stuff in our life, right? 
when you look at all the stuff that tries to hold you back, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Some of you that know me probably were, when I started talking about humility and patience and being active and that kind of stuff, some of you probably are looking at Rex like, are you really sure this is the guy that should be talking to us about humility and patience? I don't know that I put him up on, I don't know that I, I give him a whole lot of credit in those two categories. So it's a challenge for me. It really is. In this last week, while I've been preparing, attempting to prepare for this morning, we've faced some challenges. Uh, we've, we've had some struggles. Um, and then I break my glasses when I get here. And, realize, and so there's stuff, right? Not, I'm not special. You guys have stuff. I just want you to help, I want you to help you understand there's stuff. Right? But God. What I want us to start ending with here today is I want you to listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to this. Beginning in verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying. I always, I always like it when the Bible says this is a trustworthy. This is something you should listen to. That means pay attention, in case you're wondering. If the Bible says, if the writers of the Bible say this is a trustworthy saying, open the ears. Okay? This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. <laughs> and I am the worst of them all. Who's writing this? Who wrote 1 Timothy? Paul. Paul has books in the Bible with his name on it that he wrote. Like they start with Paul, an apostle. Christ Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Some of your translations may say, of whom I'm the chief. The purpose of Jesus' death was to save sinners. Paul says, and none of you got anything on me in the sinner category. But he doesn't leave us there. Because then he goes on and he says this. This is where you see these words aren't original to me. But God. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Don't miss the beauty of that phrase. Christ died for sinners. I'm the worst of the sinners. But God did that so that my life as a huge sinner that's been saved can be used to convince other people that they too can be saved. Man. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like humbly living until we get home? 
then others will realize that they too can believe in him. Here's the, here's the let's go home part. And receive eternal life. I could have just read that passage. We'd have been done, right? Because what the message of James is to us is the same thing that is the message of Paul to us. And it will be the message that Paul gives everywhere he goes to teach about Jesus. All of Paul's messages will start with, the world is sinful, but God made a way, saved us, offered us eternal life. In the middle of everything is those two words, but God. But Paul's words kind of sound like somebody else, don't they? And Paul shares that. As the worship team comes forward, I want to read one more passage for you. And I want you to listen. I really want you to get this. Because I think if we take James and we take what Paul teaches, and then we take this passage of Scripture... I think it'll change your life. In chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, beginning in verse 5, we see this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took, look at that word, the humble position of a slave. Who being in very nature God, the creator of the universe, said, ah, ah, that's not nearly as important. It's not nearly as important that I hold on to my godness as it is that I give it up for this. Took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God. Does that sound like Jesus has to do something? He did. Therefore. (laughs) Therefore God. But God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all of the names. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. to the glory of God the Father. You see, church, with everything that God has done, with all of the creation that he has and all of the beauty, you can look at the Grand Canyon, you can look at trees, all of those things that that scream of God's glory. What most closely resembles the 
majesty and the greatest glory of God is not any of those things. It's the fact that you as a sinner can be saved by grace and enjoy eternal life in heaven with him forever. It's that. That is the thing that God looks at and he says, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, the trees are cool. Yeah, stars are awesome. We live in the country, get to see a bunch of cool stars. Yeah, all that stuff is really cool. But God's greatest glory comes from the salvation of sinners. But God. See, church, this morning, I don't know your stuff. <laughs> you do. God does. It, it, you may have stuff, oh, has you all messed up? Maybe messed up in the mind. Maybe, maybe messed up in the heart. I don't know. Maybe messed up in, I don't know. You, you do. But God, but God says, your stuff, lay it at the cross. And when we humble ourselves and lay our stuff at the cross, God says, okay, it's time. You, you can be lifted up now. Man, what a great God, huh? Aren't you glad you serve a God like that? Aren't you glad that's who sits in heaven we get to spend eternity with someday? This song we're going to sing, I know some, some of you probably don't believe Rex and, us, Rex and I when we say this. We, we don't communicate our messages to anybody, really. In so many times, when we get to this song, like the end of the, like the end of the message, <laughs> when I hear in practice, I'm like, Ooh. as you sing this song, think about what the message is. Jesus paid it all. All. Everything I have. All to him I owe. Because sin had left a crimson stain. You, you might know what crimson stains are like. You may have some stuff. <laughs> but he, but God, washed it white as snow. Are you washed this morning? You can be. And if you are, but you feel like you're a little bit tainted, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Because he washed us white as snow. Let's pray. God, nothing we have do we deserve. Your love is beyond what we should have entrusted you with. That you should have entrusted us with. But in your love and in your grace and in your greatness, God, you made it, you made it possible for us. So we're just going to fall at your feet today. We're going to humbly come to you, ask you to use us and to support us and stay with us until we make it home. In Jesus' name I pray.